All right. Well, good morning, guys. It's good to see you. How y'all doing this morning? Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty tired this morning for some reason. Not like any other day, but I may have to double my coffee intake. Yeah, we did. We just we were talking about that a little bit before we jumped in here. And uh, I said it might have something to do with that church work day. And uh, and I was going to say we uh, uh, Christian and I, our our assignment was to uh, pressure wash the 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 wall of the cemetery. And uh, man, that, that took a long time. And I'm so glad that uh, Phil actually did the front part. I mean, he that guy's got ants in his pants. He can't, you know, he's supposed to be sick. So he's supposed to be like home resting and he goes out and he pressure washes the front part of it. So we did the back and it took like almost three hours out in that, that sun. And I'm telling you that thing just beat us down. And so, uh, and I haven't, I mean, you know, I mean, most of all my stuff I do day to day is inside and so I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm started cutting grass and everything. So I'm not like acclimated to that heat yet, <laughs> that summer heat. And so it, it was rough yesterday, but I, I mean, on Saturday, but, uh, but what was funny is that I told Christian, I said, well, there's some dark spots over on the sidewalk by the side entrance to the church. And I said, let's just go over there and real quick pressure wash those. Well, we go over there. We hit it with a pressure washer. And I mean, it's like night and day. The whole thing is so dirty that the little bit we did was so white. I'm like, oh no, we're we're gonna have to do this whole thing. So it's like I I guess you compare it to like if if you're like running a race and you're like you've given pretty much all you have and you're you're coming around like the a corner and you think okay right around the corner is the finish line and you get around the corner and you find out there's still like a mile to go <laughs> you're like oh no so that's, that's how it was how did you guys fare at the work day well uh james Blez and i tore that carpet out of that stairway back there and uh it went better than we thought, but again, the mold under that stuff just lit me up, man. I mean, I've got a high, I've got a high, uh, allergic reaction to mold. But is that, is that why you were wearing a mask? I, I saw you yeah. one time going outside. Well, I mean, on. it's funny because Jeff came along and of course he's does environmental work. And mm-hmm. he said, uh, by the time we just about had finished, he says, you really shouldn't be doing that without a mask. <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> so I wore one for the last piece of it, basically to roll it up, put it back on Mike's car. But mm-hmm. anyway, that, uh, anyway, that got off there and, uh, don't know what we're going to do with that, but, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I worked with James a little bit and putting those, um, TV stands together and I, was copying off his paper. <laughs> oh, those are nice too. Those are really nice. Yeah, yeah they, they, they really are. I, I told James, uh, you know, the English instructions are good, but there's nothing like the original language, the Chinese. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just beautiful in the, in the Chinese. That's right. Mike, what about you? You, you were doing a little bit of everything, weren't you? Uh, yes. Um, um, Jeff and I, uh, ended up putting together the, uh, the open storage racks, the two the two sets of those that went into the uh, utility slash, for lack of whatever for lack of better words, the technology room where we have all the, uh, the router and the uh, modem coming into the church. Mm-hmm. So we put those together, and then we um, ended up um, uh, then uh, un- unpacking the second uh, wall locker cabinet for um, um, Brian and Jeff to put together. And then James and I we uh, loaded up the back of a truck and 
took the truck to uh, my truck and drove to the convenience center, you know, a truckload mm -hmm. of uh, trash there at the convenience mm -hmm. center. And then I came back and Jeff and I, or not Jeff, uh, um, James and I finished the mounting the TVs on the stands uh, and positioning them uh, in the basement and upstairs. So, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was, um, I guess it was a, it was a busy day and I, I guess I'm feeling the effects of it because I mean, it, the temperature too, I mean, yeah. it was, and then in that basement, when you're, you know, working the, in the little rooms or in the spaces where there's no circulation of air, man, you start working up a, a sweat. <laughs> I imagine, imagine that's something yeah. else. Uh, I, I got to say one, one thing you did, which, which I'm glad you did. Cause I told Christian, you know, we probably needed to, to do that too. And again, that was assuming, okay, we get done doing the wall, just a couple of minutes to do the sidewalk, which we were wrong on that. That was almost about another half hour doing that. But, you know, that little, that bit of trash and stuff for the dump was out behind the door. And I, I told Christian, I said, it uh, doesn't look like anyone's getting that. I said, we're just going to back the truck up there. Just throw that on the truck real quick when we get done. So we, we were thankful when we saw you hitting it, taking care of all that. So that, that was good. That was good. All right, guys. Well, I'll tell you uh, what we want to uh, talk about systematic theology. And so we're starting uh, a new book we're going to be going through, which is Joel Beakey. Uh, his book and uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Smalley. What's his first name? Is it Gary? Mike? Paul. 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 Okay, Paul. Okay, that should be an easy name to remember. Uh, so uh, Joe Beakey and and Paul Smalley, and uh, it's a uh, it's a thick book, and it's the first volume of four volumes. So this is going to be a long uh, ride here for us. But uh, but I'm looking forward to it because one of the things about uh, Joe Beakey is if anyone knows him, he is very much influenced and just saturated with the Puritans. And uh, and I love the way the Puritans do theology because it's not just a sort of a cerebral academic exercise. I mean, their whole uh, thing of life has come to be sort of uh, codified in uh, head, heart and hands. So you know, we want to know God with our minds. We want that to affect our hearts so that our love for him is inflamed and, uh, and our passion for him is, uh, is, is high. And, and we want to see that work out to the outside, you know, what we do with our lives, what we do with our hands, uh, how we serve him, how we work for him. So, so I love that aspect about it and, and getting into this, you know, we see all of that coming out, even in the way that it's structured, where you have, you know, your chapters, which, which teach you the, the subject matter, but then, you know, you have a hymn at the end and these are wonderful, you know, hymns, at least in these first two chapters that you just put there. And then you have questions, you have just general questions about, you know, the information that, that you've studied and read, but then you also have questions for further reflection, which, which are more of a, you know, they, they make you think type question, more of an application type stuff. But uh, what did you guys think about it so far? Just just plunging into the book, just in general. Okay, I guess I'll go first then. <clears throat> I, I really like the book. Uh, I liked it from the way that um, he writes at a level where uh, uh, a range of readers can pick it up and read it and understand it. And uh, I thought it was, I, I enjoyed reading it. I mean, the first, at least the first two chapters or the first two parts, that's, that's as far as I've gotten so far for what we're discussing mm -hmm. this morning. 
but the way he lays it out, the, he defines things, he explains them, and then how he uh, lays out and says, well, these things aren't just uh, out there by themselves. There is a, uh, an overlap or an interrelationship of shared uh, information between all these different disciplines Mm-hmm. that give you a the, the broad po- uh, picture and then you have the uh, others that give you a, fo- a focused narrow but you need to take all together uh, and all bathe in the, with the, the spirit of, with the Holy Spirit and prayer so I, I like the way he brought that out I, I was uh, I, I enjoyed reading it and I'm learning uh, every time I pick it up and read it I learn something new <laughs> uh-huh. it's good stuff yeah. Oh, am I, am I still alive or are we, we froze? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. I didn't know. Um, I, I mean, I, I, enjoyed the, I enjoyed the layered approach to it. Um, I liked uh, the idea of theology all the way down. And again, having, uh, I guess, theology having the loosest fitting of that. Um, but I think, again, as you say, I mean, going at it from the Puritan's perspective, I I thought he had a breadth of research there, particularly uh, in the matter of devotion and the matter basically of the development of historical theology and theology. He goes all the way back into the patristics and goes through the Aquinas and, uh, and the reformers and just picks that up. The, the thing, well, two things I think were fun out of it. it it's a chance to throw a little latin around you know? yeah <laughs> yeah you, you always enjoy that nobody does it like rc Sproul used to that makes me uh makes me miss him even more every time i see something like that because i can hear that old uh i can see that chalkboard and hear that chalk hitting the board and big old letters and uh but i i think it's very important because a lot of these a lot of these terms are ones that we have and it's a point he makes in the book that we have captured historically and we've brought them down basically as a, a shorthand to describe the process. And one of those courses, prolegomena, uh, it's one that we love using. It rolls off the tongue, uh, <laughs> but, but, it, but it really is an essential part of doing systematic theology. And uh, essentially, I think that we kind of got, we didn't get into prolegomena uh, this time, but we're set up very well for that. Um, and the other part, really, that uh, I was very interested in, of course, was the philosophical theology. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a, a seminar once upon a time in that, and it just, the difference between what I did in a Southern Baptist seminary in this is, as Mike said, basically, um, even though he layers theology to doctrine, to dogma, and goes all the way down on that, uh, there are two things. There are two aspects that I think that are essential to that, and I think that we really didn't do very well in in that seminar. One uh, is uh, anchoring everything down into the text, uh, all the way down. Uh, the text of the scripture is the is the anchor, and it is that which judges and and evaluates every attempt whatever whatever branch of, of theology we're in whether it's biblical historical philosophical polemical uh, uh pastoral or, or or whatever the case may be the point he makes is that it always is a constant guide and check on us mm-hmm. now in the terms of the larger uh, question of theology he says it very much 
in terms of its writing and in terms of its expression, it very much depends upon the particular age in which it happens. Not that it has to imbibe the spirit of the age, but it has to be in a way that is understandable to an age. And I think that, um, I think that, um, I think that Beaky has done this mass, these, uh, this massive work. I know that it's the result of a lifetime of work, I'm sure. And, uh, as he says, I mean, I can only imagine Smalley basically taking his, taking his notes and basically fluffing them up and running the references and things. I mean, it's a huge effort, uh, if you've ever done anything like that, but he's done a wonderful job of doing that. But I think Beaky's contribution to this is he explicitly says up front that one thing, a lot, one thing theology should do theology in the larger sense, um, and systematic theology, I would think, uh, is it, it, it cannot be divorced from the ethical component. And I think that's where a lot of modern theology really has fallen down. We basically have taken ethics. I know even in our seminaries, we've, we've taken ethics and we've made it a separate discipline because basically philosophy, uh, which is in the old times was known as the handmaiden of, of theology because philosophy basically has done that. It has set out ethics uh, and as such, it has, I think, in many cases, it's lost that mooring to, uh, to the scripture. As a result of that, uh, any ethics, even Christian ethics book that you bring up is uh, going to talk, uh, is going, some of them deal more seriously than others with a teleological approach to, uh, to ethics. Uh, that is uh, not the deontological, that is what, what should we do, but uh, teleological, in, in other words, the, what we should do is in pursuit of the goals that we have. Uh, and in doing that, I mean, there's a large, there's a large space there that we often get lost. Uh, and to throw a little more Latin around, uh, it's the, uh, it's the difference in terms of your attitude to the scripture between, again, I, I hear, I hear RC's voice in this, the ipsism of verba and the ipsism of vox, uh, the exact words and the exact voice. Uh, and there's a big difference. Uh, the approach that Beaky makes, uh, and that a lot of the reformers generally reform theology, at least good reform theology. Uh, does re does believe that the scriptures are ipsipsima uh, verba, that is the exact words of God, uh, and that the scripture writers are actually in their own ways under the with their own personalities and their own grasp of uh, syntax and uh, language and things like that, uh, that they put together the very words of God so that even though they are given within a particular context, Indeed, they are God's words to us. And when we read them, we have that confidence. The Epsisum of Vox, however, says that the scripture rather is speaking with the, speaking with the voice of God. Uh, that is that the words are meaningful to the extent that they express the true intention of God. Uh, but, God's word, but God's will and God's intention may lie above the text. And then again, what we do is we look at historical development and we let it, we let it rule us way too much in terms of the way, in terms of the ways we do our theology, but even down to the point of doctrine um, and uh, even to the point of dogma, 
uh, where the denigration of dogma comes as a result of that as well. So uh, the, study, uh, looking at the philosophical theology part, I thought was it, it was it was well put, I thought, because uh, and particularly as he says there, the dependence upon the law of non-contradiction. And again, I hear R.C. saying that again, but it's true. Something cannot be A and non-A in the same way and in the same, at the same time. Uh, I mean, what it is, it's the proper use of reason in order to bring together the, the disparate elements of our study of God and try to put them into a systematic method, having as not only the rule of the rule of them of the uh, of the words of God in Scripture and the scriptural authority, uh, but also having within them the idea that God created logic, and He created logic uh, as a reflection of His of His image. Uh, and he created it for our benefit as well, so that we can distinguish, uh, so we have at least one tool to distinguish right from wrong, good from bad. Uh, and whenever it's rightly used, it's a very powerful tool. But the point he makes here is that it very wrongly is used. And philosophical theology often is, is, is the trajectory for letting the spirit of the age form our theology. And as such, it is at odds with what Beaky would say here. So I, I agree with Mike. I very much like the book. I like the approach he makes, particularly the practical aspect of it. And I agree with you, Dan. I think the Puritans are very much, you can very much read their, uh, the blood and breath of them in, in all of this. And uh, I'm excited to see how this goes. I, I like this definition that he gave at the very beginning, the definition of theology, using our minds to engage yeah. Uh, with the truths of God's word, I, that that just that was that, that stuck with you throughout the entire reading. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's what distinguishes us from the animals. Yeah, um, you know, Fido is a is uh, I mean, Topaz is a faithful friend and a good and a good companion. But again, I mean, uh, you throw her a volume of Bob Ink, and what do you get? I mean, you get a you, you get a, a plea to throw the ball and, and fetch it. <laughs> And that's what she does, and she does it well. And that's what God created her to do. She's uh, is companion to us in affection, but again, um, it, it is the it is the particular prov uh, province of of uh, humans to be able to take. And that's why our that's why our religion is a word is a word related religion in the sense that that's the way thoughts are both simple and complex are formed and communicate so i agree with you man i mean uh mike I, I thought that that was a very good way really to kind of introduce that and to tease it out as he does and that's what every systematic theology does and we're going to get into even more of it when he starts dealing with uh general revelation and special revelation because it's always engages the role of reason in revelation uh, a lot of ink been spilled over that and a lot of blood sadly enough yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting how he, uh, you know, he, he, get, he goes real deep just in the, the subject of what systematic theology is. And he's even going to have a few more chapters concerning, you know, who is to do it and how yeah. they are to approach it. So, I mean, he's, he's really, I mean, with this being uh, four volumes of systematic theology, I mean, he's really laying down the foundation right here. So, oh, yeah. so that being the case, uh, let's kind of go back and, and, and define some of that. Now, Mike, you defined 
uh, his definition of systematic theology in the first chapter, but he gave another definition in the second chapter that he is like, he's almost just drilling down deeper and deeper and deeper into these chapters. So, uh, so basically he said that in the second chapter, that basically what systematic theology is, it's, uh, it's, it's our doctrine. It's our thinking, you know, uh, towards God you know, in Christ, you know, how we, uh, how our doctrine affects our living towards God, I should say, uh, in Christ. And so with that, I mean, you see those aspects of, okay, we know God, you know, we're thinking about God, but we want to like Marvin, like you said, the ethical, you know, aspect of, of, you know, he even brings that out ethical theology that we, uh, you know, there is a, uh, a, a command side to all this, you know, there are things we're to do, and so that comes out of our systematic theology. So why don't we do this? Why don't we kind of go, he gives all of these different aspects of, uh, of theology. Uh, one of which I'll just say right now, when we talked about practical theology, I've never heard it called, uh, point, what do you call it? Poimentic. 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 Yeah. Basically yeah. You know, the word for Greek word for, yeah, pastor, word for, or pastor. for shepherd. Yeah. 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 And I never, heard that one before i've read it but it's been a long time and again (laughs) you're right uh the reason why it strikes you is because it's so rare but again it's a feature it's 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 at its heart as you say beaky is uh uh he's one of the sharpest academics i can think and and again by the breadth of you know uh by the breadth of the sources that he cites but also i mean it's he always has the pastor's heart there yeah exactly i think that's why he's had such a such a uh a vibrant and effective ministry, I think. Right, right. So, so let's just go through this, and then, and, and let's just, you know, no, no particular order or anything, but let's just kind of talk about this and kind of define some of these, especially for the benefit of those who are just listening to this and they're not, you know, actually reading the book. But, uh, but he gives, I think it was about seven or, or, or eight different aspects of theology. And the first one he starts off with, which I'll, I'll just go ahead and jump in on this one. It really is the basis is exegetical theology. And I know like in my own thinking, I, see, I have to make things very simple for myself, but, but when I think of, because uh, uh, to me, it can be easy to confuse exegetical theology and biblical theology because in exegetical theology your focus is on the bible but but it's not on the bible like biblical theology is where biblical theology is is anchoring our theology in redemptive history so it's more of a redemptive redemptive historical theology within the pages of scripture, but exegetical theology in, in my mind, I, I just have to think of the Bible itself as, as a book. So what we're dealing with in eth- exegetical theology is we're dealing with, uh, you know, the original languages. Um, we're dealing with the canon, you know, the 66 books that are in the Bible. We're dealing with uh, the different cultural aspects of uh, when the individual books were written uh who wrote the book who it was written to uh what was the year of the book written what was the occasion it was written for was you know for example you think of the the letters of paul is he uh, is he addressing you know uh, uh certain practices that have gone awry such as in uh the book of first corinthians or is he uh, dealing with, uh, you know, the Judaizers and Galatians, things like that. So, so, so for me, I have to like sort it out. So when I think of exegetical theology, I just picture like the actual Bible itself, but it's like, 
you know, the Bible is a book, the Bible is writings, the Bible is, you know, we want to know the Greek, we want to know the language, we want to know, we want to get to the individual verses and passages that are there. But when I think of biblical theology, I have to shift, even though it's got the word Bible, biblical in it, I have to shift my thinking to, no, we're talking about the history of the Bible as, as redemptive history and progressive revelation, you know, unfold. So, so for me, that that's helpful, but, uh, but, but I really like the way he laid those two out. So I guess I covered two of them. So, so uh, I'll just, I'll just toss it to yeah, you guys. You're, you're a pig, brother. You're a pig. You're a hog. <laughs> I know. I know. You know well, it right on in there, didn't you? Well, like hey, we, 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 we've got what, five or six more. So there's plenty to go around. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did because this, uh, I don't know if you can hear it. You probably can't hear that. That's the sound of an empty cup here. Oh, I mean, my goodness. Oh, you're you're going to run sad. out of gas. Mine's empty, too. Oh, no, that's not good. That's not good. Well, listen, uh, please, please don't eyeball my cup too bad. This is April's. I, we're having a problem, like, finding lid. Like, the lids are disappearing. So, yeah. so this morning, early this morning, I'm there in the kitchen. I've got all these cups down, and I've got, like, these couple of lids. I'm trying to see what lid matches what cup. And I, so I've got... I got a cup with, for those of you who are just listening to this on audio, I've got a cup with hearts all over it. So this is, this is April's cup. I thought it was a message to Mike and me. We know you <laughs> love us, brother, but um, you've gone, you've gone to an extreme here. There you go. There you, 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 go. Need to, you need to rein that in, dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, Mike, we'll toss it over to you, brother. Do you want to take uh, one or maybe a couple of these? Yeah, I'll, I'll take historical. The uh, uh, And I like, again, I like his approach and he laid it out, you know, it's like this, this branch answers this question. So historical mm-hmm. theology answers the question, uh, how have the doctrines of Christianity been identified, formulated, elaborated, defended, and applied during the long history of the church? And what have you know, particular theologians or churches taught uh, about particular doctrines in context of the history of Christianity? Mm-hmm. And it gave some reasons why historical theology was important to include with the other uh, branches of theology, you know, and he, he offered some of the advantages that I thought were, you know, very pertinent and very, very, um, uh, I think justified his statement that it should be included. But, you know, he said it offers the opportunity to study theology with some of the greatest uh, minds of historical church history. Uh, it opens uh, one's eyes to other perspectives on how to look at things Again, but he cautioned, you know, we, you know, sticking to you know, what the scripture says and the, and the truth of the scripture uh, about illuminating um, the thinking behind creeds. You know, when you look at the history and you see the creeds and the confessions of the church, it, it illuminates um, the, the thinking. Again, going back to the definition of engaging in theology, you know, you, you know thinking with the mind and, 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 and such. Uh, and it makes us aware of other things that we might not have been exposed to, uh, showing a continuity uh, of faith. I mean, and that's to me, that was important. I mean, when you look at history, the continuity of faith over time of, of the history of the church. Um, and he, he also pointed out that in historical theology can bring out the heresies of the past and what we might see today but with maybe a different wrapper on it, but it's something that was, you know, faced in the, by the church in past history. Um, and it uh, also, uh, you know, keep what you fighting. And, you know, this is kind of like a, what I consider uh, like a, a, bland, a blinding flash of the obvious. It, 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 but it, uh, it, it tells us, you know, we've got to remember that uh, when we read and study, we're not the first deal, uh, the, theologians to look at this. There have been others before us that have laid out a history 
that are laid out of thought uh, 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 that, uh, that engage in, in discussion and writings about uh, the church of all times and all places. And I thought that was uh, pretty pertinent. I mean, we got to remember uh, that this is uh, what we're looking at is there have been historians uh, before, before us that have studied this and that we should consider what they have written because it helps gives us insight and broadens our perspective. And I think that's what, uh, what this is all about. We need to be have an open mind and we need to have our perspective broadened, but it, you know, again, staying uh, uh, ingrained in, in, the, in the scripture and letting scripture uh, be the, the anchor which we, uh, which we, we anchor on is scripture and not let a, a branch of the theology be our anchor if that makes any sense yeah yeah hey mike let me let me pause right here just, just to read just one sentence uh, but it goes right with what you're talking about on page 46 now th this is an audacious like sentence here he says everything a christian knows about the bible has been shaped by centuries of previous christian thought in the translation interpretation and application of the bible so that's exactly what you were saying where, I mean, we, we stand on the shoulders of godly men who have come before us. Yeah. As, as Mike was saying that I, I, I think about the times you quote Steve Lawson and in, in which he profoundly says, if it's new, it ain't true. Mm -hmm. And I think, <laughs> I, I, I think his start and again, within the context of that but again i think historical theology helps us with some measure of modesty on that to to understand uh that if you come up with it it, it has been at least considered and and formed in some way by people before you and people in some cases with a lot with a greater breadth of learning than you uh, but again and a lot of it's just a restatement of of ancient error and that's where that's where the intellectual humility comes from i think in that yeah yeah and and, and we i mean that's how we want to read our bibles that's how we want to study our bibles that's how we want to hammer out our our theology it's in context with the church the historical church you know we we don't want to be just uh, me and my bible out in the woods and uh Right. whatever because i mean we're going to go into gross error probably if we do that right. i mean we have to realize that uh that you know the lord has been working in his church for two thousand years you know you've had godly people filled with the holy spirit of god who have went to the word of god and have uh have, have written on it have did a study and interpreted it and uh and we have the fruit of their labors and in that you've got this codification of truth that has come down, you know, through the ages. And so, uh, I think it's the height of arrogance for someone to say, you know, I don't need to read anything, but just my Bible. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to get to Ephesians four where we see where, Hey, the Lord has given to his churches gifts, you know, uh, apostles, prophets. So again, those are, those are past now off the scene, but you know, pastor teachers, evangelists, you know, all those for the equipping of the church for the work of the ministry. So, It'd be arrogant for us to say, well, I don't need that. I just, I have my Bible and that's, that's enough. I'm sufficient on my own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And I think that that helps us. I think it helps to guide us. Um, I guess carrying on, it seems like we're going through the list there, the philosophical theology I've already, uh, to, to some degree, uh, dealt with that. Um, but again, I, I think that it is, um, 
to uh, quote our, our friend Herman Bovink, uh, which is a different form of hermeneutics, I guess. <laughs> uh, he, he, do, he does say this. He says, there's no room in dogmatics for a system in which an attempt is made to deduce the truths of faith from an a priori principle. Uh, that is, um, the a priori principle there is basically a principle not derived from special revelation, which can you define a priori for a priori just simply means, uh, uh, to come, to come before, uh, and a priori truth in, in, in that sense means that it is a, a truth that comes before the, comes before the study. In other words, it's kind of a, it's kind of the presupposition if you want to use that term. Uh, before you start out. And what Bobinger is saying is uh, that in philosophical theology, uh, which is probably arguably the most speculative of all of them, um, and that's why he says that there's always been this argument about the place of philosophy within Christianity, you know, what Tertullian's famous, what does what does Jerusalem have to do with Athens? Uh, one of the greatest quotes of all time, but it it, it says Okay, these are two separate spheres here. I mean, what do by that he means what does what does the speculative philosophy of the Greeks have to do with the revealed religion of of of, uh, of Israel and consequently also of the Christian Church as well, which rests on that. Yeah, and that uh, that debate is getting fired up even in our day. Well, it is, yeah, God. and there there were there were portions in here like when he uh, I don't want to get it down to this you don't you know you don't know who's listening to this and uh, <laughs> it, may, it may be just our families and our, our friends i don't know which is is fine but yeah he uh yeah he, he gets hot on aquinas there for a while and uh again i appreciated what he said about aquinas in the sense there uh and in and, and this has to do with chapter two uh, and I think chapter two kind of deals with the philosophical theology in terms of uh, the emphasis of wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the theological enterprise? Is it a, is it an enterprise of knowledge or is it an enterprise of, of wisdom? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's, and, a, it's very interesting. Cause you're right. He, he really hits, you know, uh, uh, Aquinas and everything, but when you get over to, and, and I won't, I won't define, it, I'll leave it to you guys, but the apologetics, I mean, yeah. he sounds very Van No, 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 that's, <laughs> so that was a, that was the point I, was point I was going to make is because yeah. he runs, he runs hot and cold on that. And, <laughs> exactly. and I, I think, I think he's exactly right in the apologetic theology um, and the polemical theology for that matter. I think, I think the same principle applies there as well. Uh, but it's this, it's this idea basically that, we don't come to the study of we don't come to the study of God with some kind of a priori, uh, some kind of rational principle that drives the study. Uh, it's God. It's God Himself who who, who does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've all been three saying here, uh, it it it's always it. Well, it reminds me. Um, uh, Jonah, uh, Jonah Goldberg, uh, said, uh, his father used to tell a story about, uh, about a man, uh, and of course Goldberg is Jewish. And of course he come is his, uh, his mother, how uh, his mother, by the way, is, uh, is Episcopalian. So that was a 
that was an interesting combination. She used to have a really popular political blog, Lucy, uh, com, Lucianne Goldberg. But again, uh, he, his father tells the story about, he's talking to some guy about, okay, where does the world come from? He says, well, it rests on the back of a turtle. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he goes one step further. He says, well, what's that turtle standing on? And he sits there and he thinks for a minute. And he says, well, this turtle's all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that kind of reminds me here as well when you're when you're thinking about this uh that's kind of speculative idea that you've you've got there you're following a good impulse and actually uh, i would argue an impulse that is built into us by being created in the image of god uh but that being the case then i mean that is uh that's a good way to to organize it um but again uh then he goes over as you say into um into the apologetic and polemical theology the use of the, the use of our study of god in order to defend the gospel against outsiders uh and also to defend the gospel against error from inside uh both of those are very useful things as you say uh, I was struck with the same thing in his apologetic, uh, in his apologetic section, because he basically says in contradistinction, I think to some regard to Aquinas that, uh, that it is, uh, when the engagement properly intends to defend Christian doctrine against outside tax, it's called apologetics. And he goes on and, and, um, he goes on and talks about Peter and he talks about Justin Martyr. Um, but he, he does, he does talk, he does talk here about, it can't begin, it can't begin from a neutral point, I think. Mm. Uh, and that's the whole point that Van Til makes is there is no, there is no neutral point. I mean, uh, to say it another way, all truth is God's truth. Yeah. Um, and as such, I mean, he, he created it. Uh, if there's any a priori principle in argument, that's it. And again, as Van Til and all his all his students would say, uh, the best apologetic argument is just to demonstrate the inconsistencies of your opponent's position without really having a foundation upon which to rest. Uh, I, I think I love the way uh, this reminds me of that series of debates that uh, there's uh, 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 a DVD came out of, uh, of that. And I know it's online somewhere, but uh, Doug Wilson and, and, and uh, Christopher Hitchens. Uh, and uh, this was something that uh, Hitchens, I mean, uh, Doug Wilson was constantly saying to, to Hitchens, I, he says, he says, Christopher, and it turns out they were good friends. It's amazing if you look at the friendships of Christopher Hitchens. Some of his closest friendships were with Christian theologians. Uh, because, I mean, he, he admired their honesty, even though he disagreed with them profoundly. Um, but uh, Doug Wilson would, would say to him, you know, that sounds good, but really what you've done is to, uh, is to, borrow, is to borrow my God in order to make any sense of that. It, the words make, it, I can understand every single word, but not a single sentence. In other words, the, the, the meaning, the meaning there is means nothing apart from, uh, apart from the revelation of God. Uh, and, uh, I think that that was helpful. The, the polemical theology, again, that's, uh, that's been a, 
that's I think a more and more of a necessary more and more of a necessary discipline but one and I think Van and I think Mike you would probably also agree one of the ones in which if you engage in it you lose a lot of friends <laughs> uh and, and I think of I think well I think of a lot of guys that engage in polemical theology and basically uh whenever uh R.C. Sproul uh debated uh uh Greg Bonson, uh, the exchange there, uh, they said that the pursuit of it was to drive the skunks out of you, out of your friend's house. And I thought that was a good way to put it. And that basically is what polemics is as well. Uh, in its best sense, it, it think it thinks well of its opponent until there's a reason not to, but in the sense that it, uh, polemical theology actually then does, uh, I think talk about kind of using using reason and and revelation special revelation to talk about the consequences of where a particular idea comes from and it seems to me in that regard polemical theology is hooked up all the way back up to the top but particularly as we were talking about with historical theology because polemical theology uh, if you're a good polemicist well, actually has a good understanding of church history to say this is not a new idea uh, you really ought to check this, and you ought to check this, and you ought to check this. And by the way, that's been answered with this, 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 you know. Um, and as such, there not only is the authority of the scripture, but there is also the authority of the Christian tradition as well, not in the Catholic sense, uh, but in the sense in which it, it's evident that this is not a new idea. It's been thought of. These are the deficiencies of it. It's not likely that you're going to reform this in such a way to, to salvage it. So um, I think those are two aspects of the theology there that I think he does a good job describing. All right. Thanks, brother. Well, Mike, do you want to pick up the last one, uh, which is practical theology or, or, or uh, uh, poimenics, like we were talking about, uh, the name we were kind of unfamiliar yeah. with? But, but hold on. Before you do that, I've got to ask you a question. All right. For those of you all who are not watching us, but you're listening to us, I want to try to describe what is happening with Mike Thompson. Every time Mike Thompson leans over one way or another, the camera follows him. Now I was on a zoom call with, with some other pastors, uh, Jeff Riddle, Ryan Davidson, and Steve Clevenger. And I noticed with Steve Clevenger, that same thing was going on. And I mean, he was, he would reach back to grab a book or something. And, and literally the thing would pan over. So I was like, Steve, do you have like a cameraman in there, like filming you for this zoom? I mean, what, what is going on? It's like, it's like your, your, your camera's like every move you make, it's like following you. And he's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's my, uh, it's my Mac or I don't know, iPad or something like that. He, he said, it's like automatic. I said, you, you have to be kidding me. I can't believe this technology that they have. So, so for y'all who can't see, if, if you can't see it, you see what's going on with Mike, but if you can't see it, every move Mike makes, he leans over to get a pen, pen. He, he goes over, leans over this way. This camera is like following him everywhere. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah what I'm doing just so you, everybody knows it's uh, they can't see or, or is listening is uh, when 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 you did either you or Vance uh, you or Marvin say something I 
it is it jogs in memory. I go back over either to the book to go to that page and read read it and the stuff before it and after it. All right, you know, like in this case, in reading part one and part two, at the end of each chapter, which I thought was good for you know uh, for an individual like me that's you know reading and studying this stuff, I was sitting there looking at the questions and trying to answer the questions as I went through the reading to to help me you know expand my knowledge and understanding of things. So. Uh, I'm referring to my my notes that I uh, wrote or typed out and, and going back to the book as we discussed. So, yeah, well, uh, I mean, that, that's that's great. And I'm, I'm doing the same thing. The difference with mine, Mike, with your big brother, the uh, technology you've got there where <laughs> where the where the, the Sauron eye of of of, uh, of apple is all on you when i go over and look at my book it looks like i'm getting sick so <laughs> I, i'll go i'll go old school on that on that I'll, I'll let you have all that high tech stuff yeah see we got that advantage marvin if, if things get too heated here we can like run out of the way get out of yeah the that's right that's right mike that, that ipod is gonna like magically turn all the way around mike's not gonna be able to run away it's gonna track him wherever he goes <laughs> i know reminds me of lord of the rings all right, well, Mike, tell us about some practical theology, brother. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, the uh, the uh, practical theology, uh, it, um, it's um, for, I, I guess it calls for, uh, the way he starts it, he said it calls for the, uh, in a practical sense, it calls for the obedience or the obedient action uh, on all parts who believe it. So, I mean, it, it's, it's asking for uh, uh, obedience. Uh, to be obedient on that parts uh, because it, um, the practical theology studies reveal what God uh, has revealed concerning his office and the work of pastors. And that's one thing that at the very beginning, when he first started, uh, he laid out how seminaries went through different, uh, different things. And it's almost like they, they lumped a lot of things under the title of systematic theology, but then they had this uh, past, pastoral our practical theology, which grouped all everything else uh, under that under that grouping, uh, and and I think uh, this has already been mentioned, but it's sometimes called, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm going to try to pronounce it right, uh, po poemetics. Poem yeah, say that right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, uh, meaning pastor or shepherd in the in the uh, I think it's the Greek, and uh, it, it goes into the qualifications, uh, and one thing that. And again, from uh, from your messages, Van, that you've been giving us over the past few Sundays, you know, going into the qualifications and it, it you know, teaches the, uh, the uh, preaching, the teaching, the leading of public worship, but the 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 calling that the, the pastors and shepherds have that's that's critical, the, the, the calling that's got to be grounded in and a true desire to be doing this. Um, and um, let's see what else can I highlight on that? Um, yeah, it's it, and it. Uh, he he stresses that the this practical theology should never it should never be dis delinked or never uh, I guess considered in a vacuum apart from systematic theology. It ought to be linked to the systematic theology, and I guess that goes back into what does the Word of God say? And as and as a pastor at shepherd, you know that's one thing that a pastor at shepherd is to is to be doing is to be saying this is what the the Word of God says. Here's the Word of God. Here's the truth of, of the Word of God. Um, and, uh, and, and that's important because he cautioned that without that, and I think he also cautioned that there, maybe it's another, maybe it's another book I'm reading too, 
but if we, if we lose sight of that, uh, then uh, there, there, it presents dangers to or disadvantages if we, if we don't stick to the truth of God's word um, and from, and from, a, from, the, uh, from the practical uh, theology uh, standpoint. And I see, and I, I probably didn't do it the justice that it would have, uh, but I think that that's pretty much what he covered in his insight, that uh, it's the, 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 the business of being a pastor or a shepherd. And I thought, you know, it was, it was a good introduction. And I'm sure further on in his book, he's going to talk more about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a big part of, big part of who he was. Uh, but it, it, as a brief aside on that, I mean, it's one of the, I, I don't see how you do that particular aspect of, well, I, I guess I can see how you do it apart from uh, just the having physical bodies in a room. And again, I mean, Van, you and I went through that that time uh, when the remote uh, getting uh, going going through a course remote, basically just watching a video, or even if you have a cohort where you've got to have people online, and you know you're you're going all that. I mean, there's nothing like actually being in a room and and preaching and pastoral ministry, even in ethics for that matter. Um, that is the practical application of that. There's just something about having other people in the room with you and having that dynamic, having the body language, if nothing else, having, uh, seeing somebody that is, you know, having a real issue or going through something like that. I, I don't know. It, you can do it, I guess, but it seems to me to be harder actually to do in an online session. So that's my two cents on that. I mean, I'm a, uh, I'm I'm an old fogey on that I, I know, but uh, there, now it's possible to get a whole master divinity probably without setting in setting a foot inside a classroom, and I, I don't get that. But anyway, that, that's my follow up. Okay, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we land the plane with this? Let's go over. Okay, so so we've talked about you know systematic theology. We've talked about all these other branches of theology and uh, they all work together to to really go back to what michael uh mike said that uh called you michael mike <laughs> to what mike said when he talked about how all these disciplines work together and i think Beaky had a section on that i think it was called something like the uh the the multi uh, disciplinary um uh effort or endeavor endeavor, or, endeavor yeah. yeah yeah and so he talked about basically how some people are better at parts of this than other people are but we need the whole body of christ to engage in this so so once we're doing this and we're doing the task of systematic theology then the next logical question is all right how are we going to break this down what what are we going to address because systematic theology is asking these questions about certain things and using the entire Bible from cover to cover to give the answer to that. So, so what are the questions that are going to be asked and how do you group those into the subject headings or topics? And so that is where the loci of systematic theology comes in. And the reason I emphasize loci, L-O-C-I, is for years I call that Loki, <laughs> like like the, the Viking god, right? <laughs> and uh, I never knew I was saying it wrong. And then I was at a conference and I heard someone address it. They talked about, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, and I heard plenty of people talk about, you know, the singular, the locus, 
So if that's the singular, that's how you pronounce, you know, one section of, of systematic theology, the lo the, this locus of systematic theology. Well, I, of course, I thought, well, plural, it's loci, you know, loki. And, uh, but, well, but no, I was corrected. It is loci. So, okay. so let's talk about that. What, what are the, uh, the, the areas that he grouped, you know, these things in, okay. We want to talk about systematic theology. We want to answer these questions. We're going to do it from the whole of scripture, but what are the categories that are going to fall in? What is a logical order for our systematic theology? Well, he talks about the Trinitarian approach, which I, I think essentially he uses and he talks about different different organizations of that but i think that his i think that his particular organization of that if i can find it yeah there it is um i i think it is trinitarian but again i mean i'm uh but it is organized and that's what a systematic theology does it goes uh from the prolegomena, as we say, to the theology proper, that is the, the doctrine of God himself. Um, and, and here we're talking about God uh, in his being, in his essence. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where we develop the, the concept of the Trinity, or we, I, I not develop, but discern the, the concept of the Trinity. Uh, and then from that, he says that uh, we go through, to anthropology, which is a traditional way of doing that. In other words, a doctrine of man. Uh, man is a created order. Uh, the first thing, the first thing we notice there, and the, the, it seems to me the natural flow on from that is what does historically and practically what does man do with the with the doctrine of God proper? Um, and this is where we talk about sin, original sin, um, about total depravity that is the entrance and the infiltration of sin into every human endeavor um and talks about um essentially what it does is it sets up uh man and adam and the consequences that come from that then he goes into christology which i think is a natural flow from that because again it goes from having discussed the trinity itself and the doctrine of god proper uh, then, uh, having talked about man's inability or man's death in relationship to that, then he begins to talk about Christology in the sense that that is basically the divinely ordained plan of the Godhead in terms of redeeming man or dealing with the anthropology, dealing with man in his fallen state there, um, and uh, dealing with both the person and the work of Christ. And then the pneumatology, that is the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, again, rounds out the breaking out of the theology of God proper um, and, and talks about um, uh, Christ and talks about the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he talks about soteriology, which it seems logically would be wedged in there between between Christology and pneumatology. Uh, but really, I mean, when you look at it, I, I think that the way he organizes it really is good because when you look at it, certainly it is the person working Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, you froze up on us, Marvin. Christ, yeah. which there is you are. the very Oh, okay. 
You're back. Uh, yeah, I've got a pro. Yeah, I got a problem with this headset. Uh, but it, uh, yeah, it 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 seems to be uh, a, a weird collection to put uh, uh, soteriology after uh, after Christology and pneumatology. But I think that soteriology actually in its proper study involves both Christ and his work, mm. or as um, I think as John Murray put it so well in that in the title of that volume, Redemption, Accomplished, and Applied. Uh, and I think that's the proper place of soteriology there. Uh, and then it, it's interesting that he ends with ecclesiology and eschatology. Uh, not that they're unimportant, but ecclesiology really is, uh, it gets into the areas that we've been talking about in terms of, uh, in terms of the church, because mm-hmm. essentially the church is, the central focus of the work of Christ uh, as he is, uh, as he has completed in our atonement, as he has ascended to the right hand of the father, as the Holy spirit came and promised. Uh, and as we see in the book of acts, as the Holy spirit uh, empowers and emboldens the believers to go and to, and to build that. And as a such, and as such, what we find is a large part uh, of the uh, apostolic teaching um, uh, dealing with, the church itself, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinitarian aspects of that in terms of the practical life of the church. And then finally, he ends that with uh, eschatology, which again is always the fun part. Hopefully, or maybe by that time you're so weary from everything else, the eschatology is kind of, <laughs> okay, what, whatever. Yeah, but, you're ready uh, to say, Lord, come quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that should that should be the proper attitude to, towards it. But yeah, that's uh, where, where probably some of your most enjoyable discussions are is in, is in the eschatology part. So in other words, I, I, I like, I, like the, I think it's a traditional way of organizing theology, um, nothing nothing that extraordinarily new about it but i think again as he described the trinitarian approach i think he did a, a, he did a good job of uh, not just springing it on us but saying okay this is not only where i but many other people get this and historically and theologically this is where we get that yeah yeah and speaking about eschatology you look at how big these volumes are and and, and yeah. three volumes have been published there's still one yeah. more to go and, yeah. you know, assuming that will be the one where the eschatology section right. is in, the eschaton may have already arrived by the it, time, you know, it could have been, it <laughs> we, been. We, we, we may know our theology perfectly without having to, to, to read some Beaky, right. To be helpful. Well, we can only pray that can't we? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's just do any parting shots before we, uh, you know, get out of here and stuff. So Mike, uh, uh, anything else you want to add, brother, about anything we've talked about or, or any observations or comments? Uh, the, the only, um, I guess the only comment I have is the, this book. I mean, I, I, uh, in series volume one, I, I think it's a good, a, a good book for, for anyone, uh, uh, of any, any Christian, uh, to, to pick up and to read, to learn more about, um, the theologies and how you can, uh, the different branches of theology and uh, how you can use those to gain a, a, a greater uh, insight and knowledge and knowing uh, and knowing that, you know, from history, from from uh, logic, uh, uh, you know, a greater knowledge of, of, of knowing, you know, knowledge of uh, God and Christ. But that, that knowledge being turned into 
a greater knowing of, of, of our Lord and Savior. And that's, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at that as I approach all my readings that we're doing. I, it just, uh, it, it gives greater insight and, and, and it reinforces what you've uh, heard in the past or what you've even read in the Bible. I mean, uh, but, you know, using again, not staying, a caution is the root, my anchor is in, in, in the Bible and not what I read, but the, what I read uh, uh, augments or supplements or reinforces the truth of the Bible. Amen. And uh, so I, 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 I'm really enjoying these sessions and I'm enjoying the reading. It's, it's, it's good stuff. That's right. That's right. And I, that's an important distinction to make. And I'm glad you, you made it, Mike, you know, you know, like when I said earlier, I mean, we read our, our Bible in context with the church. I mean, we do that, you know, we want to get to, to glean what, what they have mined and, and dug out and exposed and, and exegeted from the word of God. But yet at the end of the day, you know, the Bible stands supreme over any man's writing. And it is the final arbiter uh, of, of everything, whether it's a, a book from a certain individual you're reading, or whether it's even the historic confessions of the church, you know, so, uh, so the Bible is, is the final authority in all things, but yet we can look back at history and especially those uh, historic, you know, uh, Christian creeds and confessions going all the way to the apostolic creed, you know, uh, and we can see, hey, the church historically has said that this is faithful to the word of God. But yet again, you know, the, the, the posture is all of those are lower and subservient to the word of God. Marvin, brother, what do you have? Well, I having taught for 13 years, knowing that even if you've taught a body of material for a lot of years, every time that first day of class, it's always a different experience. No, no two classes are the same, which I've always found to be an odd thing. But what I think the way I look at this, I, I, I look at, uh, uh, basically Bikius has given us the course syllabus. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's kind of put it out there. And at that point, then, there are two things that happen on that first day of class. You distribute the syllabus and also not only does the professor get a measure of the students, but they do also of him as well. And they make a judgment. Okay. Given this body of work before us, do we have someone whom we like and whom we admire and whom we trust to go forward with this? Um, and in that sense, then that's what I take out of this is, I think that we find a guy here who in these few, in these couple of chapters here has really expressed our heart. And it's a guy who we know is, has a vast wealth of knowledge, but he has our best interests and the interest of our churches at, at heart. And so as such, having the syllabus, I look forward to going through the course with the professor here. Hmm. Amen. That's a good word. That's a good word. Well, before we sign off, I just want to encourage anyone who's listening to us or watching us, uh, grab this volume again. It's, it's a thick volume. Uh, don't be intimidated by it. Uh, I don't have the dust jacket on mine. See, I follow my own rules. So, uh, yeah. when you're reading it, the dust jacket comes off, stays well, on the it, shelf. It has to, it's just annoying. <laughs> uh, there you go. But, uh, I encourage you to get it. You, you can pick it up. I just checked the price a while ago. You can get it from uh, Reformation Heritage Books, uh, for uh, which is uh, heritagebooks.org. And uh, you can pick it up for $30 there. If some of you want to go in together, you can pick three volumes of uh, volume one up 
for $75. I'm not good at math, but I think that's about a $15 savings. So, uh, so, so yeah, I, and we encourage you to go through it. I think we're going to kind of take about uh, sort of uh, this size of a bite out of this book every time. I mean, we're not trying to run a race or anything. We really want uh, to not just read what this has to say, but, but to meditate on it and sort of marinate in it. And I think these discussions are very helpful for, I know for me personally, just to reinforce, you know, what I've learned and what I've read. And, and, and again, at the end of the day, you want to see it transform your life and change you so that you, you love God more and, uh, and you want to seek to please him, to glorify him in, in all respects. And so, uh, so I would encourage you, if you are um, listening to us or are watching us, and I do hope these are fruitful conversations, uh, primarily for our church family, but anyone else who might get a hold of this video or either the audio, uh, uh, pick up the book, you know, uh, read along with us. We'll do, you know, two, two to three chapters at a time. And so uh, pace yourself with us, and, uh, and uh, we pray that you'll be edified, you know, by it as well. So, all right, gentlemen, well, with that, we will close, and I guess I'll sign off. Uh, we, we need to create some good, oh, I, I've got it. Okay, all right, good nicknames. Here we go. Marvin is, of course, the doctor, right? And Mike, you're the colonel, okay? Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. So on behalf of the doctor and the colonel, uh i guess i'm the pastor you know so uh anyway we're signing off for now and uh lord willing and uh and uh not next sunday but the following sunday i mean monday excuse me uh we will have another edition of this uh ready to go so hope you'll be with us in thanks a lot and may the lord richly bless you